Heartbreak. Wobble. Despair. Let down. Choke. These are words Atlanta sports fans are all too used to hear. Until now. No more negative expectations. No more playing the victim. No more fair weather freeloaders. No more. 38-yard field goal by Morton Anderson. The hold, the kick, it's on the way, it's up, and it's going. The Falcons are going to the Super Bowl. The Falcons are going to the Super Bowl. From the Mesmerized Studio in Woodstock, Georgia, Believe Entertainment proudly presents Believe in Atlanta Sports with your host, Robert Taylor and the Commissioner, Mark Rich. Hello, Atlanta sports fans, and welcome to this, our 50th episode of Believe in Atlanta Sports. I'm your host, Robert Taylor. With me is the Commissioner, Mark Rich. He's over here uh, getting some notes ready, getting some things worked out, because we do have a pretty good little show for you tonight. It's just after 8.30 on Wednesday, October 11th, and the Braves have fallen to the Phillies 10-2. And that's not a good thing. Because the Phillies necessarily uh, didn't necessarily beat us tonight. Uh, we beat ourselves, and, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But the reason why we got such a good show tonight is this Sunday we play the Commanders in Atlanta. And what's going to go down is we have host Brian Murphy of Believe in Commanders, parentheses, Redskins, and he does that show with Anthony Armstrong. And we're going to have him on here in about 15 minutes. The commission's got his phone all linked up to the, the Roadcaster Pro here at Mesmerize uh, Studios, GDI, Granite Digital Imaging, Imaging. There's a couple of names they got here. But I wanted to talk a little bit before we get Mr. Murphy on because, man, uh, we are down, but we're not out. There are still two more games left. But, boy, it sure did feel pretty good for about, uh, what do you say, Mark, about 40 minutes <laughs> for two innings. Just waiting, watching to see if which Bryce Elder we were going to get. And he came out, and it looked like the one we wanted with movement on his pitches. And, and it, it looked like we were in a good position. Nola looked good to start the game out, too. So it looked like it was going to start it out looking like a pitcher's duel. And, uh, yeah, that quickly evaporated for us. And and it, it it's uh you know Elder's not the first person in the history of of uh, postseason baseball to do this, but just absolutely looked sharp the first two innings. I even summoned the Almighty Spirit of Biff Pokoroba tonight, and you know what? I'm not doing it anymore because I think I'm disturbing Biff. I, I think he's somewhere off having a good time because twice now he has let me down. So I'm gonna leave him alone, and we're gonna find another uh, Braves player. Maybe maybe we need Hank for this one. But listen, it's the playoffs. And and I've said this a bunch on this show from the first time we started. When when the playoffs come, it doesn't matter what you did in the regular season. Your record is zero and zero. But once again, the Phillies heated up in August and they've hit more home runs than anybody down this stretch. And that's what it's all about. Mac look, and I'm not making excuses for the Braves, but Max had eighteen days off. Eighteen. And he had to go out and start. And he said the blister didn't bother him. It's not an issue. He's just rusty. I know tomorrow Philly is probably going to run Ranger Suarez out there. They've got a bullpen game tomorrow. We've got Spencer Strider. 
We got Max Freed coming home for game five because I fully expect us to win tomorrow. I, you know, uh, it, it's it's crazy. And, and tonight, you know, the Braves got to take a long look in the mirror. Their backs are against the wall. But I, I'm telling you, like I said, starting the show, the Phillies didn't beat us tonight. We beat ourselves. Elder leaving the ball up. Hand comes in and looks good, but he leaves one up against Bryce Harper, who, by the way, is the Chipper Jones of, of – he's he's the Braves' Chipper Jones. The chipper killed the Mets. Bryce Harper absolutely punishes us. He's hitting 500 against us in his lifetime. You can't make mistakes to a guy like that. He's going to make you pay every time. It didn't help that Arcia gave him some bulletin board material. I'm a little pissed about that. I You know, I, I do love how – you look in the Braves' dugout sometimes, and they're free and they're loose, and you know even if they're down, they look like nothing's you know bothering them. But I don't like the trash talk. I like the, I like the very professional business like Braves of the '90s. They just got out there and got it done. I didn't appreciate that. But look again, what are you gonna say? You know what the 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 thing we can hang our hats on is uh, the Dodgers are probably gonna get swept by the D-backs tonight, so we don't have to worry about those fools moving forward. But you know, and the Braves always respond. Uh, it's going to be, I think we come back home for five, but it's just really, it's really annoying. It's really annoying. I moved seats. I changed clothes. I even texted you. I said, hey, man, what if we just head down here now and maybe that sparks a rally? Sometimes it works. It did not work tonight. But win some, lose some. Tomorrow is another day. This series is not over, so keep your head up. I know it sucks, guys. I know it sucks. I'm not happy right now. And, and again, I'm going to repeat myself because the Phillies did not beat us. I'm going to say it a bunch of times tonight. They didn't beat us. And we got to come back tomorrow and get it done because that'll be twice now if it happens that the Phillies got our number in the NLDS. And, uh, oh, that would piss me off. But, you know, it's like, a, and we said this too, the team that generally has the best record in baseball generally doesn't win the big enchilada. And But, again, I'm not counting them out. Even tonight when it was 7-1, to 7-2, to two, I was like, hey, man, we could still strike in the 6th, 7th. And Philly knows that, and and you fans know that. Some of you know that. So you just got to remember, man. It's it, baseball. I look at game two. Game two was nuts. I, I we all thought how you know we were cursing the TV, texting back and forth. I was like, man, we're gonna go down 0-2. We got to go up to Philly. I was like, shit, man. But hey, the old Braves magic came about. Michael Harris, uh, according to some of my friends, got a free pass for the rest of the playoffs with that because he saved our season. But that bottom of the line, bottom of the lineup hitters tonight, they stunk. And they've been stinking for the whole series. And that kind of sets the table for Ronnie and the rest of the guys. And they haven't gotten it done. So they better find something. They better dig down deep and find that mojo they had in the regular season and bring it tomorrow. Or we have to endure more shit talking from Philadelphia for another season. And we have to lay down at night. And I think that's why it hurts so bad. You know, it's it's the old, it's like same old Atlanta Braves. We've seen this show before. And it hurts. But we're not going to let it happen this year. We're not going to let it happen this year. We're going to will it to happen, and we're going we're gonna to talk to Hank tomorrow. We're going to talk to Nuxy tomorrow. We're going to talk to every Brave that has gone on to the big ball field in the sky and tell them we need them, and we're going to pull it out. I certainly hope so, man. I do. I, we were talking about how we don't want to be in, in Truist on Saturday night, and, and now we really want to be in Truist. Oh yeah, Saturday night. Oh, the atmosphere is going to be electric, and I'm telling you, I, I I think because tomorrow we have Strider going. Strider's mad, boy. He's fired up. He's heated. He, he was. Yes. Oh, game two, man. He had some choice words for the ump a couple of times, and he's a gamer. He's a fireballer. Like I said, it's been the starters for Philly. 
You know, Wheeler did this in game two last year, and so did Nola. And as soon as we got in their bullpen, we were able to knock them around. What I'd like to see tomorrow is the same thing. It's a bullpen game. Get some swings in, beat up on them. And just like I said, and I'm pretty sure. So we play tomorrow. We'd have a travel day and Saturday night in Atlanta. Game five. It doesn't get any better than that. And, and I honestly told some people, I, I hope we don't sweep the Phillies or, or, or win it in four. I was like, I want to go all five games to have as little time off as possible. And I know, I just think it's more so for Atlanta for some reason. That's our bugaboo is time off. I know other teams will say the same thing, and a lot of people are complaining about this uh, current version of MLB playoffs. And and they're you know they're saying, hey man, this wild card thing, screw the three games. It's a one game play in. Let's do that. And uh, you know sometimes I hope maybe next year if things don't go as planned this year, I hope next year the Braves finish the season with like eighty eight wins, and they have to fight and scrap and get it turned on late at the end of the season because. It's just weird, man, how baseball is. But, you know, I'm superstitious as hell, and, and baseball is all about grooves and chemistry and just, you know, all that. And when you disrupt it, man, you, you pay the price. And, uh, you know, look at the Dodgers. But you, you all could say Arizona got very hot towards the end of the year, but they're not an overly talented ball club. Right. They're just playing very well now. And, you know, there's always, there's always, there's something, the Braves have something left in the tank. They're not going to go quietly into the night, but like, like, you know, it's just, ugh, you just want to scream because it's the insufferable trash talking we have to endure as Atlanta fans when things don't quite go our way. And, and I don't want to hear it anymore. I haven't had to hear it for a while. And, uh, man, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to, you know what we're going to do? We're going to have a Saturday and, and whatever happens Saturday will happen. But Sunday, we're going to go down and sit in some amazing, I mean, some amazing seats down at the at the Mercedes-Benz, and we're going to watch the Commander's hyphen Redskins. <laughs> and, uh, the only thing, and, and I'm, we're going to talk to him about this. The only thing I don't like is ESPN today posed the question, can the Falcons upset the Commanders? And the last time I checked, when you played a team with a losing record, and I get it, it's, it's early. They're 2-3, and three, we're 3-2. Three and two. But how how are we going to upset them? What? We're we're at home. We have a better record, but suddenly we're the underdog versus a not so good Washington team. Yeah, but the that's par for the course, man. That's that's ESPN. That's how we go. That's how we as a a state of teams get treated. And it, I mean, I'm it's annoying as shit. But at this point, we're used to it. I always bring up that the time that the Hawks beat the Cavaliers. When LeBron was in Cleveland and uh, all the highlights on ESPN were like LeBron James dunks and then they flashed the score at the end. You would have never known unless you paid close attention that the Hawks won that game because <laughs> I don't even think they said anything. They didn't want to talk about LeBron losing so they just put his highlights up and, and flashed the score and I was like, well, cool. Like, don't even try to hide it. Just yeah, and a little side note: uh, preseason basketball has begun, and we did take down the Cavs, the LeBronless Cavs, uh, last night in preseason. Uh, in so fun fashion, by we've kicked off a season. Man, I can't wait. I'm gonna go to more games, but uh, you got to get your ticket because I don't think you have your ticket yet. But I've got tickets. Uh, it's kind of a date night, but I'll just tell Valerie whatever Mark's coming along. He's gonna find our seats. But a Harry Potter night for the Hawks. It's like December 18th or something. You get a scarf, all kind of Harry Potter stuff when you buy the tickets, and who knows, maybe they're going to have some wizards doing some weird shit at halftime. It's weird that you think I don't have tickets for that already. 
Okay, so you do have tickets. Well, I remember texting you about it. Now, you know, uh, I, uh, we, I think we both can have the tendency to procrastinate at times. So I was just wondering when you're like, ah, you know, I'll, it's not till December. I'll let it simmer for a minute. Uh, I got I got tickets. I got just in case tickets because I'm normally I, I have I was actually telling somebody about this today. I, uh, I was actually telling Brian as we were talking uh, about getting him on the show tonight about uh, if he was going to the game this weekend. And he said something about getting tickets. And I was like, look, man, ticket prices are not that bad right now. And not to mention, uh, it's probably been a the better part of a decade since I've purchased tickets to any regular season sporting event less than two hours before start time. I just I just wait. That's the sweet spot because that's when, I mean, the day before is when people jack the prices up, hoping people are scared that they're not going to get tickets and then, Day of is when people panic that they're not going to be able to sell their tickets and they drop the prices. So, yeah, and 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 th- we, they are not a sponsor of ours. We're not getting paid uh, or anything. But I found a pretty cool app this year. If you don't mind getting in after kickoff or after the first pitch or, or anything like that, it's called Game Time, and man, you can get some really good seats for really cheap. You wait at any Braves game during the regular season until about you know middle second third inning. Some of those really great seats just rock bottom, and you snatch them up and you go into the game because there's t- so many great places even outside the Brave Stadium to catch the first couple of innings and you know just get on in there. Yeah, no, uh, that's uh, that that's actually the most fun is snagging tickets on there. But I, like for me, a lot of times I want to be in there. I want to be in there for kickoff for the Falcons. I want to be in there for the tip and basket and for the Hawks games. But I, dude, it's worth it. Like you even upgrade while you're in there and you still make out like a champ. Yeah, man, I remember in the old days when the Hogs were so bad that you'd go to a game and you could buy a ticket on the last row and somebody from Phillips Arena would come up there with like some better seats like down in the lower bowl to fill it up for TV. <laughs> and uh, so we did that one a time or two. But Game one when we were there, we uh, the tickets we got uh, was four of us together and we, we were up in the 400 level, but we got row one tickets so we can sit up front and and watch and and while we were up there it was a tight squeeze but like the people around us were just really kind of annoying so one guy just like cussing and screaming and one guy kept standing up and putting his ass in our friend's face and so finally like end of the first inning we look over I second inning whatever um and she goes uh I got spare seats mm-hmm. and we went from I think 439 to like 37 and we were about six rows off the field and i'm pretty sure she used the same app but it was it was pretty sweet and and we've talked about this before we've both been spoiled by uh really good seats from uh food vendors or anybody else but also i just as i got older i found out that the turds all sit up top the shitty fans the annoying fans the ones that drink way too much before the game or they're pounding beers and i like to separate myself from those uh jerk offs oh there was there was plenty of jerk offs down low, but you know what? That that game one was it was an it was a weird atmosphere because it almost felt like uh, people weren't there because of the Georgia game, and I can tell you for a fact because I was one of them. There were a lot of people watching the Georgia game while the game was going on there, and mm. I I know how to multitask, so I can watch Georgia and I can scream for the Braves. But uh, I I saw a lot of people sitting down staring at their phones, so. I'm not not gonna say that caused us to lose the game, but it, it was a, it was a it, it was a it, it was a light playoff atmosphere. It did not feel 
like a playoff game for us. And, you know, up until everybody got pissed off uh, at the Kitcher interference call and started throwing shit on the field, which was super cool. Really love that. Really make the Philly fans feel at home. And I'm telling you what, I don't care if, if Philly advances or the Braves advance, I'm still sending a gift basket to Brandon fucking Marsh full of shampoo and conditioner. Wash your hair, dude. Wash it, you fucking grease monkey. I'm, t- I'm trying to get all the negative out before we talk to Mr. Brian Murphy uh, from Believe in Commanders. Uh, God, I just hate him so much. I hate the Phillies so darn much. So anyway, the Braves got to do me right. Uh, so it's about time. We're going to dial him up. We're going to get Mr. Brian Murphy on. We're going to talk some uh, Falcons commanders. And uh, all will be right with the world. And, and we got a ring ring going. So let's. Hello, Brian. Are you there? Can you hear us? Yes, I got you. All right. How's it going, man? Welcome to our little podcast here in Atlanta. Thanks for having me. Oh, man. I uh, It's it's a pleasure to have you. And I can't wait to talk a little bit about uh, Sunday's game. But uh, we just we have been on already getting our uh, bad juju out uh, uh, from this Braves Phillies game tonight. So because we wanted to be in a good mood when we got on the phone with you. Brian's actually here in Atlanta, right. too. So oh, he understands. Okay. All right. So you're in Atlanta, too. So so give us a little background. Tell us about Brian Murphy. You got a great last name. Uh, but so you're the host of Believe in Commanders, but you're in Atlanta. So uh, give us a little rundown on that. How'd you how'd you become a Commanders fan or the host of that show? And uh, are you an Atlanta native? Yeah, so I was actually born up in Silver Spring, Maryland, uh, deep in uh, Washington territory, Redskins territory there. Uh, my dad and my grandma went to uh, Super Bowls. And so it's in my blood. Uh, but I've been in Atlanta since I was 10. So I've called this home and uh, this is what I've known as home, but it just kept the team, the football team at least. And, and I'm a big Braves fan as well. So I'm, I'm hurting a little bit tonight as well. I'm doing the show from the dark after that pitiful performance. Uh, glad to be talking to you guys about some football for Sunday. Well, we I, I said when I came on, what makes me so mad is the Phillies didn't beat us tonight so much as we beat ourselves. We, we had weak defensive swings at the plate. Uh, we, we just looked yeah. off, uh, uh, pitchers were leaving things up in the zone. It, it just, uh, you know, I, I don't give any credit to Bryce Harper because all, any three of us, uh, if we would have seen those pitches that they left up, uh, would have jacked them out. But anyway, let's move on from that. Tomorrow's a new day. We got Strider going tomorrow. It's Strider day. That's right. So, uh, let's talk Sunday, man. First of all, I got to tell you, we're going down to the game Sunday and we have, uh, seats in the Home Depot booth and, and Mr. Blank is going to be our neighbor. And, and we have a Commanders nice. fan coming with us too. Uh, I was I was hoping maybe we could lock her out of the suite or something, but she'll be in there <laughs> with us. We'll let her in. So if you're going to be down at the game, maybe swing by the Bird Gang tailgate because you got to try these wings we got there. Oh yeah, I've, off the charts. I, I good. extended the invite earlier. So yeah, yeah, I'm I'm definitely uh, I'm going to be there, and so yeah, I might take you guys up on that. Looking forward to it. There's there's not a bad seat in Mercedes Benz, so I'm I'm definitely pumped about seeing a game there. And uh, you know, of course, ESPN uh, did us the service of uh, disservice of of saying uh, posing the question: Would could we upset Washington on Sunday? Mm. And uh, I don't necessarily know. Playing at home and having a one game better record, uh, you know, uh, puts us in the upset position. But anyway, give it because it's kind of so. It's kind of the dawn of a new era in uh, Washington. Uh, you have a new owner uh, in in town. You finally ran uh, Danny Snyder off, uh, and and I gotta say, kudos for that because I said for many years that the Redskins were not going to make any progress until that clown was out of town, and he finally is. 
But uh, so just kind of take us through how you're feeling about the season, how you're feeling about, you know, the team moving forward and just kind of things that have been going on since Daniel Snyder and and, and just kind of the state of the, the franchise. You got it absolutely right. Thank God that guy is gone. He was a black cloud over a once proud organization. I mentioned my dad and my grandma going to Super Bowls, and that's like a foreign concept to me because of how far he ran that organization in the ground. So I'm, I'm so thankful that they're finally out from under him. Uh, like you said, a new era with Josh Harris, who I, I've already, you know, I'm already excited. I, I jokingly said before the season, and obviously it doesn't ring true because I'm frustrated with how it's gone because that's a competitor in me. But I said they could go 0-17. Thankfully, they're not going to, but it would feel like a win because of, like that, like you said, that new era. In. And I think it is refreshing. I think they're going to start to get fans back. Uh, I think it's already shown. Now it's just coming up with the wins and the on-field product that, that once made this organization tick and hum and the talk of the city. So hopefully that is coming right now. It's a little bit of a bump in the road, but I think that's to be expected, and I think there's some growing pains to iron out. Uh, I like that Josh Harris hasn't come in and just completely cleaned house. I, I don't think that would have been appropriate or necessary, especially with the season right around the corner once he took over. But um, here, here they are, two and three. Um, I, I I don't agree with ESPN. I think that it would be an upset if Washington came into Atlanta and, and pulled off a win um, here in the A. But, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if this game goes either way. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I kind of feel like Atlanta and Washington are kind of in similar boats. That They've got a young quarterback that they want to see how – how he's going to do this year. They want to give him a trial run and then maybe address it in the offseason if he's not the guy. And I think that we've seen both the good and the bad with Sam Howell. And I think that's what where this team is going to go is where he leads them. And so far, two and three seems about right. And if you just do a quick comparison, you know, Howell is a, if I'm not mistaken, he's a, he's a Tar Heel. And uh, this season yep. he's uh, 131 for 191, 1,349 yards, six TDs, but six picks. So that's not good. But Ritter... On the other side is uh, 102 and 156 for 1,073 yards, four TDs, and three INTs. And, uh, you know, it, 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 like you said, they're young guys. Uh, they still got a lot to prove. I don't think you can throw the towel in on either of them. And, uh, you know, it'll, it'll kind of be interesting to see how uh, Sunday plays out. But I can see the uh, commissioner over here, he's salivating. He is ready to talk some football. I do and, like, and he's got I do some, like football. He's got some questions for you. And we both have the same question. And I don't know when they'll get to it, but we're both asking it because uh, we have to because it's Washington. Yeah, like do you do you still call them the Redskins? I I try not to. I try to be professional. I mean, believe in Commanders is the name of the show, so you know I am what I'll go by what they they are technically called. But no, 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 sure. I just mean I mean you personally because yeah, yeah. I, I, mean, I when get I'm it. talking to friends, it's the Skins. It's you know right. I still you know, have a love for that, for that name. I mean, not a love for it, but you know what I mean? You know, it's, it's hard to give up such a right. rich tradition, but it is what it is. I'm glad that we've moved on from that. And I understand how it is. It, it definitely needed to be changed, but you know, it is what it is. We're just curious. Cause I, I mean, I, I've got a few skins fans and, and that's exactly what they say. They call them the skins still. And, and yeah. what, whether, whether or not it's a derogatory term or something like that, it's just, it been ingrained because you, that's been your football team for so long. I was more so curious because it just, I, I don't know, I it'd be a hard habit to break. Um, 
I, I was curious just because uh, in preseason there were rumblings that they may change the name back and they had done some things with the Native American community and, and a couple of uh, kind of prominent people in the Native American community had said they wouldn't mind if it happened or they didn't see anything wrong with it. But that kind of died on the vine. It was kind of a hot, and I don't know if it was just a hot take or just something to talk about in preseason, but has that gotten anywhere? Or Because, uh, again, I haven't, I didn't do my homework. I haven't brushed up on Washington uh, or and all the goings-on in that franchise. But that is something I heard, and, and you probably saw it too. Uh, do you think yeah. there's a chance? And is that something that, like you say, with, with your friends and family, do, do you say, hey, maybe someday we can go back to that name? Or is it just like, you know what? Everyone's right. It, it it's it's a name. It's bad. It's it's derogatory. Let's just let's just bury it and leave it there. Well, I, I definitely heard the same thing that you were hearing, and then Jason Wright, the team president, came out and said that there's no way they're going back. Now he was a hire under Dan Snyder. Is he still going to be around? That's another question. But when the team official is, is saying that there's no shot, I, I don't think that they will go back to it. I do think that down the line they're going to eventually cut ties with commanders. I think they will rebrand all over again. It seems uh, silly to say that after less than a year or, you know, about a year and a half now of being the commanders. But I think that's the one final tie to Dan Snyder, that they rush that rebrand. I don't think many people like the team name commanders. So I think they will change the name. I don't think it'll go back to the original name, but hopefully they can make something – give a hat tip to it or at least a, a nod to the history. Uh, I think there's some good names out there like the Warriors, something like that that would, would honor, um, as you mentioned, Native Americans and, and all that and hopefully be a little bit more of an honorable term. Um, but, you know, it was a, de- a divisive uh, term, so I- I'm glad that we've moved on from it. And I don't think that this team, who's hopefully trying to, you know, shed all the negative publicity, I don't think they would want to go back to that and uh, there's no need for me to go back to that. You know, that's just the end of one chapter and hopefully the start of a, a new one coming up. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I I honestly, I'm, I don't know if I'm one of the few, but I actually liked football team. Like Me too. Me too. It was kind and, of and awesome. Really, yeah, it, it was simple. It was original. It was, it was you could, I don't even care if you call it plain, but it, it was kind of cool seeing the numbers there. It still felt like the original team. Um, and I really think they, they should have just left it there, but you know, they tried to fix it, try to get him a team name and then nobody was happy. So maybe the answer is nobody's going to be happy and you just got to do what you got to do. But I agree with you there. I got one and, and, and I'd probably uh, get things thrown at me if I brought it up in the, uh, in the Washington area, but it's an old name and it is from DC. They just happen to be a baseball club, but what, what about the senators, the Washington senators? Yeah. I mean, capitals, nationals. Senators, it would really kind of make sense, uh, kind of in that you know political atmosphere type thing. So yeah, there there were definitely names that were way more popular than the Commanders. I think that was everybody's issue with it. They they made it seem like they were going to go with fan input, and they really didn't. So <laughs> I think if and when they do rebrand, yeah, I mean if that's kind of that doesn't you know hit yeah. Washington right on the head. I don't know what I'm, does. But, I'm sure everybody um, was but, like, yeah, Dan Snyder is going to care what I have to say. Yeah, yeah, I think everybody kind of saw that it was a bit of a farce, and that rubbed people the wrong way. So I think that when and if they do it again, they're just going to kind of unveil a name and roll with it, and hopefully that's that's that. Well, cool, man. I uh, when you said we were in the same boat, that's literally 
exactly how I feel about our our current situations. We we both have, you know, especially in the quarterback aspect, but we both have, you know, things like positive things to look forward to and in a it will seems to be a bright future. You know, I look at I look at, you know, you guys coming in town and I see on paper your defensive line and I see what I perceive to be a deficiency in Atlanta is our offensive line. So to me, I, I feel like that's going to be a little bit of trouble for for us. Our offensive line stopping, you know, Deron Payne, who is somebody I wanted the the Falcons to aggressively go after in free agency. But uh, Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat, like these are guys that I'm 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 nervous about. That's that's something I'm nervous about with with Brian Robinson Jr. and Antonio Gibson. Um, you know. The running game has been a bit of an issue for us trying to stop it, and it seems like we we get gashed, and you got two guys that can uh, can get it in bunches. So that 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 type of stuff makes me nervous. But I feel like as as a whole, both of our football teams are still trying to figure out how to play four full quarters of football and put it all together. Um, how do you personally feel about uh, Sam Howell right now? Because um, for me, real quick, the the Desmond Ritter thing, like last year I thought we should have gone to Ritter much earlier, and I know it looked like we we might be able to do something, sneak into the playoffs uh, with Marcus Mariota. That that was a dumpster fire in my mind the entire time. Um, but uh, we get him in the last four games. We don't really get a good sample size. We have a hurt uh, Kyle Pitts, so we get a double-team Drake London. Really no weapons for him out there. Um, and he essentially is handing the ball off for the last four games of the season. So we didn't get to know a whole lot about him. Uh, like uh, for you guys, you have a, a tiny sample size of Sam Howell, not a lot going on there. Didn't really know a whole lot about him. And now you come into this season and you, you see you see glimpses of awesome. And and I see, I see what Desmond Ritter can be. And then I also see Desmond Ritter get sacked 12, 13 times in, in two games and his confidence shaking a little bit but then comes back and plays well but like it's a young guy so uh, back to my question I guess like how are you feeling currently about Sam Howell and and what's the overall you know pulse of commander nation as far as him as your leader well again I think you could erase the name from both of your, your takes there which were actually on point um, and you could you could input Desmond Ritter, you could input Sam Howell, and I think the story's kind of been the same. I think last year, uh, friend of you guys now, Taylor Heineke, uh, you know, he kind of kept the team afloat, and they were flirting with a playoff uh, bid, uh, Washington was, and they probably should have gone to the playoffs. And so with the season out of hand, of course, it makes sense to see what your young guy has in Sam Howell, but one game was not enough. And, you know, I, I don't know that we have a whole lot of answers five games in so far. It's like you said, I see glimpses, but they're, they're also uh, careening towards the, the total stack record given up uh, this year. He is getting hit left and right, and so that's an absolute disaster. You know, two weeks ago, he goes toe-to-toe with Jalen Hurts, goes to overtime, they don't turn the ball over, they look excellent, and I'm like, okay, we got something. And then they go... Uh, a week ago against the Chicago Bears, who arguably are the worst team in the league, hadn't won in almost a calendar year, 
and and they couldn't find their way out of a paper bag. So I think that is kind of the kind of to be expected with a young quarterback. I think there are going to be ups and there are going to be downs and there are going to be good and there's going to be bad and there's going to sometimes be a little bit of both depending on, you know, the play. So I think so far that, that Commanders fans are, are optimistic about what Sam Howell has to offer. I, I really think that if you, you know, two and three is not awful, but I think if you were to put all of the reasons that they, they've lost those three games, I think that I don't think he'd be the, the top uh, one or maybe even two reasons why they've lost those games. So he's, he's, he's kept them in a couple of games. He's won them a couple of games. They started 2-0. He's had, them, uh, he's had some moments along the way. So uh, overall, I think people have been pleased. I think it's just too early to say, hey, we've got our guy. And I think that the rest of the season will be really telling. Um, you you kind of mentioned the, the Washington defense. I think they've been more disappointing than the offense has. I think uh, Commanders fans were okay knowing that the offense might be up and down and they expected this defense to kind of go to the next level and that just really hasn't happened. So the, the defense has put them in some really bad spots um, and, and that's been frustrating because whereas you have a, a guy, a quarterback, who's going to be making his, what, seventh career start on Sunday against Atlanta, you've got a bunch of guys that you mentioned that are in year four of the same defense. You've got six first-round picks on that defense, and they look lost. I mean, they look absolutely lost with Jack Del Rio, who is a uh, you know well-versed coach. He's been in Washington for four years. He's been a head coach at multiple places. You think he'd start to figure it out. So that's been more frustrating, almost to the point where it, Sam Howell has kind of been an afterthought. Like he's kind of kept them afloat. He's kind of kept them in game, and really the focus has been on that defense and how frustrating it's been. Because you're right. They have the names there. They have the guys that should absolutely be making game-wrecking plays. But they just haven't so far. And that makes me worried about this could be the, the game that Desmond Ritter puts it all together because this defense has been so bad. And so that's what I'm nervous about on Sunday. You're nervous about the Washington coming in and that defensive line kind of controlling things. I'm kind of nervous about Desmond Ritter kind of putting it together and the Falcons realizing they've got a guy. Well, man. No offense, but that would be that would be awesome because I I mean that's the that's the bill of goods we were sold the bill of goods that we were sold instantly upon drafting uh, Bijan Robinson and he, that guy's as advertised like there's no question about that absolutely um but yeah and, and that's kind of I I guess we're both looking at it like in, in more of a worrisome way like you don't want Desmond Ritter to to come into his own and I I sure as hell don't want to be the offensive line that that reminds your defensive line that they're all first round draft picks and they start teeing right. off on my guy. So I think we we are definitely definitely saying that we are in the same boat here. Uh, we just got different views. You're looking off the front end. I'm looking off the back end of the boat. Yeah, I mean, I really i I think Atlanta is is the better team. I think they got the better record and. And as you mentioned, San, uh, Desmond Ritter has a few more games under his belt, so they have the more experienced quarterback. I really don't feel great about it for, for Washington, but on the flip side, like, this is absolutely a game that they could win. Um, this is a, you know, the, the, this could be the week that the defense puts it together. I just, so far this year, they've been so up and down, it's hard to, to count on that um, to the point where, I, you know, I am a little nervous that the, the Falcons run them out of the building, and that would be an absolute disaster. Um, but you know, it's, it, it's one of those games that you, you never know which way it's going to go. So, yeah, I, I feel like both, both sides are kind of coming in, not real confident. Uh, and, and it's just gonna, it's going to be one of those games you just got to see play out on, on Sunday. 
Fair enough. Uh, you mentioned Taylor Heineke earlier. I was going to try to get a uh, a little bit of your perspective on him. I know I clearly, if he was he was the guy, he would be still in Washington, and he'd probably be starting over Sam Howell right now. But uh, maybe tell the Falcons fans what we have in our backup quarterback. Well, absolutely. Being an Atlanta guy, I went to Collinsville High School. I was actually a couple years older than Taylor Heineke, and I remember him. Uh, as a sophomore coming in in a playoff game and, and throwing a touchdown pass. So I've been a Taylor Heineke fan from way back when, followed him a little bit at Old Dominion. Um, and then, you know, as he kind of made his way into the league and then all of a sudden is starting in a playoff game against Tom Brady. I have nothing but respect for the guy. He's, he's a good guy. He's a guy that just works hard. And every everything you hear and read about him, he's just an awesome teammate. I, I think I saw something that Sam Howell was talking about him and, how much he meant to him. And I think that Taylor Heineke was one of the ones that went to Ron Rivera at the end of last year and was like, give Sam a, a shot. Give him this last start. We're out of the playoff hunt. See what he's got. So that's just like the ultimate professional, the the, the selflessness that, that, that goes with uh, an ideal backup quarterback. And then when he gets thrust into action, which in Washington, that was always one play away. And he, you know, started – the better part of the last two seasons because of injuries. He wasn't considered the guy, but he came in and he kept him afloat. Um, you know, I think if he had started all the games last year that, that Washington probably would have gone to the playoffs. And, uh, I mean, they were kind of flirting with a 500 record the year before. So he's a competitor. He's limited in, in what he can do as, as far as his arm strength and, and all that, but he's going to give you his all. Uh, I mean, diving for the pylons left and right. He's going to get scramble and get you some yards. Uh, you know, God forbid, you know, Desmond Ritter doesn't work out or, or gets injured. You're going to be in good hands with Taylor Heineke. He's the kind of guy that can step in in a pinch and, and reel off a couple of wins for you. And you'll have fun watching him. You'll you'll kind of get frustrated. He's kind of got that gunslingerness to him, uh, but doesn't necessarily have the arm strength to get it there always. But Man, he's a lot of fun, and he's a, he seems like a really awesome guy and um, easy to root for. So definitely have a, a good guy in the building, and that's absolutely the kind of guy you want behind a young quarterback like Desmond Ritter. So probably a dream come true uh, for him and for the team, for him to come back home and for them to get a guy that can mentor Desmond Ritter and kind of be that extra set of ears, set of eyes for him on the sideline. So can't say enough about Taylor Heineke and, and what he brings to the uh, to 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 whatever team that he's on, you said the word, man. You said gunslinger, man, and that is exactly you know that's what other people used to describe him. That's what watching him in preseason made me that 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 word popped out immediately to me uh, watching him play. But you did say the I guess the knock is the you know maybe doesn't have the arm strike to to sling that gun, but. That's where that's where the picks come into play, and, and maybe that's why he's he's a backup quarterback right now. But either way, I the, I hear some of the same things that you're saying, and I'm I'm actually ecstatic to have him as a backup. And you know, if my theory is correct, uh, I thought they were going to launch into this much earlier last year um, and get Des in there to find out what they had in him, so they could find out whether they needed to go in a different direction. I, I mentioned earlier I, I felt Mariota uh, extended his time there a little bit longer than he should have um, by giving us false hope that we might be able to sneak into the playoffs. 
Um, so getting them started later in last season, now they're in the situation where, you know, they're already talking about pulling uh, Ritter uh, in favor of Heineke. And, you know, that's not going to help you figure out what you have in Desmond Ritter. So my my thought process is now that they're just going to run him and it, God forbid there's an injury and Heineke has to come in. I don't think they pulled Des all year long to find out either A, you know, the kid's got it or B, he doesn't have it. And then our record reflects and our, our draft pick reflects and we can make decisions after that. And if we don't, we're not in a place to get a quarterback next year. We still have Heineke um, to take over uh, and figure it out from there. So I'm yeah. I'm, you're, go ahead. I was going to say you're absolutely in a good spot. And uh, the thing is, though, and that kind of happened uh, with that, you know, him diving on the pylon against Tom Brady, he becomes a fan favorite. And if Desmond Ritter, for whatever reason, ends up on the bench, whether it be the injury or a lack of confidence in the guy, it's going to be hard for him to get back out there. So I think you're right in wanting Taylor Heineke to be on the sideline and be that extra set of eyes and ears as opposed to being in the game. But you're right. He's a great insurance policy should you get to that point. And if you're, you're, you know, in the middle of the pack next year, he can certainly bridge the gap till your next guy. So, yeah, just can't say enough good things about him. Um, and he just kind of becomes a, a bit of a cult, cult hero at times, which could be a little rattling to a young guy. So the, the question I have uh, that I'm wondering is I, I don't talk to a lot of other uh, fans of other teams, really. And, and I, I, I got to be honest, my uh, love for the NFL has kind of cooled some over the years due to the politics and other nonsense. But are Commanders fans as sensitive and uh, and jittery and jumpy and live in their fields like uh, Atlanta fans to where, like, the slightest bit of adversity or, or if things don't quite go our way? Like, are there people in, in the Commanders fan base just screaming, you got to get Howell out of here? He's not the guy. Because, like we've said this the whole time we've been talking, Ritter only has, what, eight nine NFL starts under his belt and they're already talking about Caleb Williams in Atlanta or let's trade for Justin Fields let's get this motherfucker out of here like are they are, are, are Washington fans as sensitive I think that I don't know if that's a football thing or an NFL thing but yeah they, they are uh there are certainly the there is certainly a, a lot I don't even know if it's a minority or if it's Twitter or if it's a majority whoever it is but there are people that do want to turn everything over at the sign of, you know, things falling through. And, you know, for, for Washington, at least Atlanta had stability with Matt Ryan. We're going to train quarterbacks in, uh, you know, so many years. I mean, why don't we just give one guy the chance to try out an entire year? I'm with you. I mean, you gotta, you got to show some patience at some point. It obviously hasn't worked when, you, when you're flushing quarterbacks after six starts and, you know, injuries are to blame and some of that. But, yeah, you know, there there absolutely is a crazy majority, you know, group of fans that want to see Jacoby Brissett. And I feel like, no offense to Jacoby Brissett, but we know what he is. I mean, I'd rather see what we've got and Sam Howell. If that means going 2-15 and 15 the rest of the way, okay, you're in a good spot to, to find your guy next year. But, yeah, there, there definitely is a lack of patience. It's not just Atlanta. It's not just Washington. I, I bet you there's – a group of fans in every city that's like that. It, it, it gets to be pretty crazy. There's absolutely no patience. 
Well, when uh, people when, it comes to the NFL. when people get all jumpy about these quarterbacks, I just like to politely and we, and we're all aware of this. And Mark's heard me say this a few times in in our uh, uh, time that we've known each other. There was a guy, his last name was Manning. I think he was pretty good in the NFL, and mm-hmm. uh, his rookie season, he broke the record for most picks in a season. He turned yeah. out all right. You know, he turned out he he was pretty good. So. That's what I like to remind people of: is just slow down, and let. And yeah. of course, everyone wants their team to win. Everyone wants to win now. Everyone, you know, uh, we had a, a former friend of ours who used to say, "In football, there's always a new five-year plan every three years." <laughs> and and yep, right, that's a great way to put it. And I would love to get away from that, and I don't know if we ever will because everybody always says football on any level is very much of a "What have you done for me lately?" sport. But uh, I'm I don't. I'm not sold on that. I think you got to, you know, just like baseball, you know, these guys come in and they're young and they develop and they give them time and they send them back down. You know, we don't, we don't have a developmental league in the NFL. So it's pretty much get out there and see what you got and then hit the film room. So anyway, that's just my complaint. I think we, we are too quick to pull the trigger on players. We're too quick to pull the trigger on coaches. Cause, and I even said it last week, I was like, you know, is Arthur Smith's seat, not hot, but is it on like a simmer? You know, because he and and, I, and you know what, I was dumb. That was stupid to say, <laughs> because we were four games into the season. But uh, and I think it just be it, it more so for Atlanta fans because we've we've tolerated so much crap over the years. Um, so I think that's why we're emotional. But I don't know. Sometimes sometimes I get on this show and I, I'm on a mission to try to turn people around and, and say, look, this is how you appreciate the game of football. This is how you watch the game of football. But then also I'm convinced that you can't fix stupid. So. I'm just kind of stuck in yeah, the, no, I hear you. stuck in this quandary. <laughs> I think I think I hear you. Yeah. yeah, I think I think you're you're absolutely right that you know you you got to give guys a chance to develop and um, you you can't be so quick. I mean, I mean, not every team is going to turn it around after a bad year, and you got to be willing to stick with guys. Otherwise, you're just kind of you know flipping things over and over and over and over again. So. Yeah, I'm absolutely with you. I, I think it does a, a, a disservice to some players to just kind of keep shuffling through them. Maybe you give them a shot to to stick with it, and you never know what could happen. Maybe they surprise you. So I'm, I'm totally with you there. I think in uh, the NFL, I think for most NFL fans, though, the sense of urgency to win is is heightened because of the much, much shorter season. And, it, and every game means so much in the NFL that if, if that guy's not working, we better shove somebody in there who does work or this season's over. And, you know, if it starts off a little rocky, those people come out of the woodwork early. And, and, and that's, that dictates <laughs> the narrative of your season for you as far as the fans go and with social media and everything like that. You know, some of the casuals catch on to that early and they just keep that going the entire season. And, you know, I, I clearly that does not lead you know, the GM and the staff and the coaches to go, oh, well, you know, these guys are saying it, so, you know, we should probably put the other guy in. Obviously, it doesn't have anything to do, but it, us as fans, um, we hear all of it, and it, it just gets it gets kind of annoying, but, you know, I, I wish people would stop and think just a little bit about the fact that, you know, that's, that's an investment, you know, specifically Desmond Ritter. It's a third-round draft pick, so you didn't go, you didn't, you didn't reach for the guy, you know. He's he was in a place where you thought he slipped to you, so you took him and you you, you know, you took a flyer on this guy, 
hoping that he's going to work out. You have to give it a chance. If you don't give it a chance, you're left wondering. And then, and then that's like the first domino in a long line of dominoes falling that leads you to be, you know, the Browns. You know what I mean? You just get stuck <laughs> in you get stuck in that vicious cycle, and and that's why I, that's why I wanted him to come in earlier last year so we could have sped this you know timetable up to figure out what was going on. But here we are, and I just want to make sure they they do their due diligence with him this year, as I'm sure you want them to do with Sam Howell to make sure you know you're you're seeing glimpses. So give me a full sample size. Let me as a fan also know that he wasn't our guy. So when you move on from him, I don't feel like maybe you moved on from him early and I got to deal with that for the rest of my life. Oh, for for sure. For sure. And you got to turn over every stone and make sure that you've, you've given him every opportunity and every, every opportunity to succeed, but also every opportunity to fail. And so, yeah, you know, maybe it's, maybe I'm in a little better spot mentally because I have this black cloud of my ownership has finally, changed and you know it kind of feels like uh, uh, the sunrise is coming a little bit sooner so I'm willing to have that that patience a little bit but I really think it's important yeah to, to make sure that if you're going to invest in this guy or you know you got this guy that you, you make sure he's your guy and um, give him everything you know give him the keys for a season and see what happens there's nothing wrong with that and then you know if and when you got to cut ties it, it is what it is that's part of the game it's part of the business but give him every chance just like Desmond Ritter to, 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 to go make something happen or not. And then, you know, you're right back where you've been anyway. So it's not like anything's real different. Well, yeah. And I feel like with both our guys, both our guys have a pretty nice set of toys to play with. Um, your running backs, your wide receivers, you've, you, you've got solid skill players um, in Washington. And we, I mean, that's, that's what we've been doing. We've been, we've been adding skill players. I mean, they they call Kyle Pitts the unicorn. I'm I'm still convinced that there's something wrong with his knee, and he's not a hundred percent. But like we got us a, a hybrid tight end, wide receiver, and then we went out and got Drake London, and then we went out and got Bijan Robinson um, to go with Tyler Algier, who ran for a thousand yards his his rookie season, and you know so the 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 toys are there, the people are there. We just traded for Van Jefferson. You might get to see Van Jefferson if he clears. If he passes his uh, his physical, um, but I mean, aside from our offensive line being a predominantly uh, solid run blocking line, um, and still still taking lumps on the pass blocking side of it, uh, uh, all the all the things are there to find out uh, what Des can be for you, and and whether or not that means that uh, shows in the record our record this year, the staff, the coaches, everybody they'll be able to to determine whether he's a guy you want to continue to build with because, you know, maybe they get to the end of the season and then they realize that, you know, hey, this this dude this dude could have had it if if we had a, a little bit more of a solid offensive line and then you focus on the protection there. Or, you know, you if our defense could have made one or two more stops, you know, this guy would have been just fine or you know, there's so much that goes into it. I'm I try I'm trying to enjoy the process right now of finding out whether or not he's the guy, I, I promise you, I at, at about 9.45 in the morning uh, the other week against Jacksonville, I was not so nice um, about my my feelings for Desmond Ritter, but, you know, that that went by the wayside. I feel like I feel like the Jacksonville Jaguars have an unfair advantage in London, but that's just me. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I think I, I've used the, the analogy for Sam Howell. I think it makes sense for Desmond Ritter, too. I think they need to just be point guards, you know, get it to your playmakers, make good decisions. And uh, it's frustrating when they don't, but then you have to remember that they are young guys. So if they can get it to those playmakers, they can absolutely make something happen, which I'm sure you guys have seen in, in your three wins. And uh, I've seen, you know, in, in the two wins that the commanders have. So, yeah, it really – and, and, and we talked about, you know, being so quick to give up on things. While the NFL season is a sprint, it's only a quarter of the way through right now. Uh, I can't think off the top of my head. I know the Falcons play the Panthers, so they probably have, what, four or five division games remaining, same for the Commanders. So the season is entirely in front of them. It's hard to make, you know, decisions as much as we want to off of one or two or three games, even five games, because, you know, you're only a quarter of the way through. The meat of your schedule is still remaining. So – yeah, it's it's easy to get those hot takes in and, and get fired up on social media about a guy, but you got to remember that there's still 12 games to go, and you never know which way those games could go. Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna do the cliche thing here and, and ask the question of both of you. Uh, anytime you talk football and you have an impending matchup, and I'll I'll let since you're our guest, I'll let you go first. But keys to the matchup. What does Washington have to do on Sunday to, to pull a victory out of uh, Mercedes-Benz? And, and, Mark, same for you. What do the Falcons need to do to uh, seal the deal versus the Commanders? We're favored by two and a half, and I'll, I'll have a little side question here. Are we going to put something on the line? We've had guys on here before. I can't get anybody to, to make a friendly wager of any sort. I, I think we need to. You're in Atlanta, so if you come down to the game, maybe uh, you know, loser buys a beer or something like that. But we gotta cook, we gotta cook something up. But with that, you know, what do you want to see from your team on Sunday when Toe meets Leather? Well, yeah, I, I I'm really nervous about that rushing attack. So um, I would rather have Desmond Ritter beat the Commanders than that rushing attack. I think Washington needs to make him throw the ball around and prove that he is uh, the the guy that the Falcons want him to be. Um, uh, that that's scary to me with how Washington has played, but I think they need to get after him, hit him a, a little bit, and 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 kind of prove their worth as a defense with all those first round picks and all the investment they put in on that side of the ball. I need to see them show up, and if they can play like the defense that that they're capable of playing, uh, I think Washington Washington can come out on top. But uh, that's a big if. I, I don't know if you can tell. I don't sound very confident. <laughs> well, I. I mean, you nailed it on the head as far as what I'm about to say because I've said this, you know, every every game we've played this year is that for the Falcons to be the most successful, in my opinion, the establishment of the running game is key for everybody's success because the established running game lightens the load on Desmond Ritter. It makes everything easier for literally everybody. Um, so for me, that would be that would be that's the key in every game. Uh, truly for me though, I think, um, you know, I don't know if you watched the Houston game, um, but we lose that game if it's not for our defense. If it's not for our defense holding Houston to, to field goals instead of touchdowns, that game's out of hand and we don't, we don't even have an opportunity to go down the field and win. So, uh, for me, I think it's that our, our defense plays, I don't want to say mistake-free football, but, uh, they stay pretty opportunistic and, you know, we try to try to establish some sort of pass rush, try to, you know, make as few mistakes as humanly possible because, you know, even though it's a little bit louder in 
Mercedes-Benz than it has been because there's a little bit more optimism from the fan base. Um, you know, the defense is still learning to play with one another. There's, uh, you know, our depth chart from last year to this year, our, our starters are now our, our backups. And so there's a lot of guys that are that are new to playing with one another. And I feel like every game I'm seeing something new and something, you know, positive. But for me, truly, you know, to see the defense gel a little bit more um, and, and keep that same intensity because, like I said, like last game, they, they won it. Desmond Ritter was the focal point because of the, the two games prior and how, how bad they were for him, uh, whether his fault or not. You, I mean, you can't put all the blame on a guy when – you know the lines are just hit sack you seven times. Like you're you're seeing ghosts. You're scared of everything. I I totally get that you're staring at one receiver. Can't wait to get the ball out of your hands because you don't want Aiden Hutchinson to eat your lunch. But <laughs> um, yeah, I I just I really think I really think that the defense needs to uh, uh, keep on track, and like, that would be the key for me. Well, yeah. So and, uh, we, no, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was gonna say we definitely need a, a beer bet. That sounds good. Uh, I'm definitely game for that. All right, so that's a gentleman's bet. Loser buys the other one a beer or maybe two beers. We'll see how it goes. But it is kind of weird just to kind of close things out. I do want to thank you for coming on, and and maybe you can come back and we can talk some Braves postseason just to have a, a third uh, third frustrated fan. Or uh, who's your college team? Well, I, I went to Georgia Southern. I I, I grew up more with the NFL, so Georgia Southern is really my college team. I just kind of enjoy the game on Saturdays, um, so not a big dog in that fight. I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a former Eagle myself. I, I transferred up to nice. Georgia, though, uh, so I'm familiar with that town. But it is kind of funny, uh, the similarities that the Falcons and the Commanders have. We both have quarterbacks that we're not quite sure, you know, if they're the QB of the future. We both have running backs uh, by the name of B. Robinson, we have a uh, off, we have offensive line issues, so uh, it's going to be a pretty good matchup down in the bends. And like I said, if you make it down, swing by the tailgate. Maybe maybe we can even pull a fast one somehow and sneak you up into that Home Depot booth and uh, you know have some fun watching the game and kicking around a little bit. But once again, Brian, thanks for coming on. Everybody out there listening, Brian Murphy from Believe in Commanders. You can check that out on all major platforms, just as you can check out Believe in Atlanta Sports. It's it's him and Anthony Armstrong. So. Commanders fans, if you're in Atlanta or or anywhere in the world, this is your this is your spot for all things Commanders now. So be sure to tune in. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me on. And regardless of what happens on Sunday, hopefully we're talking about uh, uh, the Braves winning Game Four and coming back to win Game Five, and we have a little bit of happiness that way. One, we at least leave happy with that on Sunday. But thank you guys so much for having me on, and look forward to potentially uh, meeting you guys down at the Benz on Sunday. Absolutely, Brian. Thank Thanks you. Thanks a lot, Brian. Thanks. Talk to you guys. Well, there you have it, Mr. Brian Murphy from Believe in Commanders. I, I'm not sure how long Believe in Commanders has been going on, but uh, a, a big thank you to Cam over at Believe for hooking that up, and I believe the commissioner jumped in there and, uh, you know, uh, greased the wheels on that one too. And, and next week we have uh, – there's a new show, and uh, the commission is a little salty about it. He, he wished he would have jumped in on this uh, and started it up, but we have a new show now. We are Believe in Atlanta Sports, but, you know, we have our friend Will McFadden that has Believe in Falcons, and now we have a new friend, and it's Believe in Hawks. And uh, he's going to be on next Wednesday, so make sure you tune in for that. We hope. We're, tr- we're trying to get him on. I, okay. talked to him, uh, I talked to Bryce today, and if if we can make it work, he's he's definitely down for it, but he's uh, he's in transit right now. He's doing a little bit of moving, so 
you know, you know how schedules be going. Yeah. And and so maybe maybe a worst case scenario we get him on for just five or six minutes so to, so he can kind of introduce himself and we can just talk a little short. Just get him on here to scream cacao one time. Exactly, exactly. Uh, uh, but now we have a little bit of time left, and and I just want to, uh, you know, I want to touch base with the Georgia Bulldogs. They uh, are coming off a massive victory on Saturday. Did you say statement game? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I I did not. I I thought we would cover. We were minus fourteen and a half. I did not expect the fifty-one to thirteen drubbing, but I also did not expect the butt hurtness from Mark Stoops who made the comment that uh, we've bought ourselves some nice players. Well, you know what, Mark? Get you some money, get you some NIL money, and buy yourself some players if you feel that way about it. And how about upgrade that shitty little stadium you play in? It's named after a grocery store, for crying out loud. And yes, that's a little bit of shit talking, because that's just ridiculous to say that in the media. It's ridiculous to bring that up. Why can't you just say, we brought our team into Athens which, by the way, was the first SEC night game in, what, seven years? Dog fans have been salivating for this one. We just wanted an SEC matchup at night in Athens, and we got it, and the fans and the team. And by the way, I know with my ADH brain, I'm everywhere. Who do you think leads the SEC in passing yards right now? Who do you think it is? Carson Beck. Yes, it is. Carson Beck. You have number four in the country. Yeah, you know. Four or five. And, and and everybody was ready to toss him away, uh, you know, like an old paper cup or something and, uh, you know, ready to get a bit of Bobo. But, again, what it's all about, everybody, and we Wait, say, say you're sorry. Yeah, you definitely do owe Bobo and uh, the rest of the gang an apology because, listen, we get better every week. That's how football works, especially in the college realm. You, you get a little better every week. You progress a little bit every week. And and you know what? The, George has been talking about it after, after, after every game. We need a fast start. We got to work on that. They, we got our we fast need to start. We hit on explosive plays. Guess yeah. what we hit on? Explosive plays. They put it all together. And and what and Vandy, you know what Vandy is? A chance to do some tuning and fine tuning. Chance for the fans to get hammered in Nashville. Exactly. And and that 28,000 seat uh, you know massive arena <laughs> that they have because somebody at Vanderbilt did not uh, <laughs> handle this correctly. And they are literally in the middle of basically reconstructing their stadium. Somebody at Vandy had to lose their job over that. There's just no way. And they're the smart ones. Exactly. They're the smartest school in all of I think I still think Vandy should be in the Ivy League and we should pull another school in from somewhere. But uh, so, yeah. Uh, now, I'll, I'll say this because I'll, I'll, I'll put my Kirby Smart hat on and say, hey, Vandy's, Vandy's in the SEC. They're a tough team. They could beat us. I don't think they beat us. I, I think we uh, throw another whooping uh, on another SEC school, and uh, we are firmly in the driver's seat. And again, the Kentucky fans are just excited because they've beat a very bad Florida team three years in a row. Well, I, they had they had a killer running back too, man. So they have a killer running back. The I also the the Bob Stoop thing, uh, the Stoops things. Ugh, God, can't speak. Um, his comments, man, I. Even Kirby addressed it, and he said, you know, look, I, I talked to him prior prior to the game, and I said, Bob, it's Mark, right? Yeah. Yeah, my bad. Um, he uh, he said he talked to him before the game about some NIL stuff, and, like, they, they talked about it. So I, he was fairly certain that he wasn't really taking a shot at Georgia, more so putting it out there for their people who throw all their money at basketball 
to see what could be possible if you put your focus on something else. I, I think he used us beating the shit out of them to try to get some more money towards football, which good for him. I mean, it Kirby didn't take any offense to it, and it yeah, we're say whatever you want, we're good. We just beat the hell out of you. Yeah, it matter. And Kentucky fans are just happy right now because they've kind of uh, moved themselves into what I would call the equivalent of middle management. You know, they're they're in the middle of the pack now. But um, and everybody says, well, you know, those Kentucky games. Like, well, right now we're on a fourteen-year win streak. <laughs> Against Kentucky, so, you know, but just judging from what I'd seen against Auburn, I mean, they're tough games. They were they were great wins. You know, we endured, but I was like, man, I just, you know, they ran the ball all over Kentucky. We haven't stopped the run very well, but again, night game, and and, and, and this, the guys at work were like, what do you think this weekend? I said, Georgia's going to win. I said, I'm not worried about that. I said, night game in Athens, we got this. Man, I needed a statement game. I got a statement game. Yeah, and uh, much better about a lot of things right now. Oh yeah, and it, it's just nice to see Bowers finally getting the ball again. And 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 you know, after that Auburn game, I think they finally said, "Hey, we've got to figure out a way." This is the best player on our team. He can't just block. You know, now they're starting to now it's starting to trickle in a little bit. You know, is 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 he a Heisman guy? What I liked though, and this is the funniest thing I've seen in quite a while. Uh, it, it, this is a guy from ESPN. He's a writer, and he tweeted out. He said, uh, "Brock Bowers is a toddler." You need two people on him at all time and never take your eyes off of him. And yeah. I just, at first I was like, wait a minute, is he? No, he's not taking his shot. That's funny. That's so great because he's right. Because, you know, the, the South Carolina games and other games, he was just kind of in the game. And and now I've, I don't know what it was or what changed. I don't know if it was Kirby or whoever. But finally it's like, hey, man, get that guy the ball. Figure out how to get him the ball. He is that type of dynamic player that can turn a game around in two seconds. He can put the team on his back. I mean, God, how many how, how many times this year in these past two games have you seen him dragging four grown men down the field? You know, or making four grown men look like toddlers. Yeah, and 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 again, even and it, you know, uh, I think now it may get tougher as the season goes on. They're, they are going to start maybe even tripling him up some. <laughs> yeah, but so here here was my I I don't claim to know nearly as much as as the people in charge but like i i have an optimistic point of view when i see things happening that people are like i don't understand why this is the way that it is my optimistic brain looks at it and goes well maybe they're doing this for this reason and it's generally an optimistic take and i looked at the way we played in our first few games as if you know like a preseason almost and not not to take anything away from all those teams but you have a lot of injuries you have a lot of players that haven't maybe played together, and you have to acclimate some of the newer people into this offense. So, you know, week by week, we seem to be getting better. You you go into the Auburn game, some things aren't working. You don't get scared. You don't get, you know, you keep your head in the game. You open the playbook up a little bit more to to focus on, on Bowers because, I mean, I'm sure you went into the game trying to still get everyone involved and that didn't work like you wanted it to. So then then you uncaged the beast, and you let him go nuts. And then, then the next game, things open up a little bit more. People are looking at Brock as a problem, and you have to double cover Brock. But Brock's that good, you know what I mean? So I, I honestly didn't think we were going to beat 
Kentucky that bad. I thought we were going to win the game. I thought they were going to do it convincingly. Not necessarily that convincingly, but watching watching that game, I feel like the team's starting to gel. And we still have injured mm-hmm. players. We still have injured players coming back. So, you know, hopefully this just keeps snowballing because, I, you know, Carson Beck's stats, while watching the game, you might not be thoroughly impressed with what he's got going on. But, you know, it was it was a big deal after after the end of that game and after all the rest of the games were finished on the weekend, everybody was posting where he stood in, in all of college football to let people know, hey, guys, you know, all that bitching you're doing about, yeah. about our quarterback and our offensive coordinator, just look where we're at and look at that look at that completion percentage because we're while he may sit at number four or number five, I can't remember, um, in passing yards, that completion percentage I think is number two or number three in all of college football. I'm just gonna throw a, a short list out of of toys. Rosamie Jack Saint, Brock Bowers, Lad McConkey, Dom Lovett, Ra Ra Thomas. That's ridiculous. And you have an entire stable of running backs. I don't know how you defend that. Could, if you put two or three guys on Brock, Jack Saints open or love it or, or anybody. Well, it's just put, put, it, put it this way: you completed thirty-three passes, right? Brock caught seven. Uh, Sperlin caught one, and Delp caught two. That's ten total passes to tight ends, seven of which are to Brock. That's twenty-three passes that got spread out between the running backs and the rest of the receivers. So it's not like the people, oh, you just you just always throw to Brock Bowers. No, when oh. Brock Bowers catches the football, it's a big fucking problem for everyone else. Yeah. We spread the ball all over the place, which is why Brock Bowers gets open, because we don't just throw it to Brock Bowers. It's, a, it's so weird that people try to downplay every time we do something good. You know, we 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 beat Kentucky. I'm not telling you Kentucky's a world beater and that we shouldn't have beat them, but we beat them handily, right? As as we should have. Yeah. We, we'd all, as Georgia fans, had been waiting on that game to just you know come in and just romp somebody, and and we did. And not not, not the early games when they were playing nobodies. I mean, a, a, an SEC school like a South Carolina and Auburn or something. But and that's weird too that I don't understand. If you think we just throw it to one guy, you haven't been watching Georgia football for like the last four or five seasons because that's kind of been their mo. Like, hey, 11 different players got passes today. I, I've, I think I've seen some Georgia games where it was as many as 14 different players got their hands on the football. All the running backs catch the ball out of the backfield. So, you know, it, it gets it gets even more spread out because you run those screens. And it, everybody gets involved. It's 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 why Jermaine Burton transferred. You know what I mean? It's it's why it's not why AD transferred, but it's it's why wide receivers decommit. It's why they transfer because people can actually say, "Hey, they're not going to focus on you at Georgia because we're not. Yeah. We're not. We don't. We don't even focus on on Brock Bowers. We didn't. We didn't force feed him the ball early in the season. Do you know what we could have done in games one and two by force feeding Brock the ball? Mm-hmm. A couple hundred yards here, a couple hundred yards there. You want to talk about a Heisman? Listen, it's just not not what we're doing. Not yeah. at all. In 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 the running back thing." You, when we have a, an amazing running back, guess what? 
we're going to run two or three of them. It, it's not it's not about one person. Fresh legs. That's I mean that's the whole thing. Everybody stays fresh all game. But like you in in you know sometimes you get Chubb and Michelle. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, how can you not keep them both on the field? Uh, but but they're both they're both incredible players. But it's just the culture. Mm-hmm. The culture is just different. It's so I I I don't understand. And at this point, I just don't. I don't really care. It just doesn't make sense to me. But we're gonna we're gonna continue to spread the ball out. We're gonna continue to play team football, and hopefully, we're just gonna continue to win. Yeah, the depth Georgia has is stupid. And I don't have it in front of me, but I would love to know uh, Brock's uh, yak. I'd love to know that number because it's got to be. Uh, it was like one nineteen. Yeah, it's got to be pretty. One nineteen out of like one one fifty something. It was silly. And uh, I did want to bring this up just to. And it's a pretty pretty cool record, but it just gives us a chance to stick it to Alabama fans. Georgia now has broken Alabama's record because we now have 17 consecutive AP polls as the number one team in the land and the fourth longest streak in history. So uh, take that, Bama. Booyah. Yeah, and I hope we get you in the SEC title game. Please bring it. it that I, I would love to sort of, uh, if they could make it, because LSU's still got a chance. I think it's it's between Bama and LSU pretty much at this point. Nobody else is going to kind of surge forward. Um, I would love to just put another nail in uh, the, the, the very slow coffin that's being built for Nick Saban. Do you ever think about the fan base that's going to get to be the team that knocks Georgia off? Oh, yeah, it's going to be wild. I mean, uh, I hope it's not in Athens so they don't rip up our hedges and everything. I, I hope it's somewhere different on the road because uh even though those they're not the original hedges they're the 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 son of the hedges they've been uh you know they took them out for the olympics i think and regrew them but i just uh, i don't like to see people uh tearing them up and uh nobody you know of course nobody wants to stay and and, and listen i've already prepared myself we're going to lose eventually it's going to happen i would like it to happen next year after a three-peat or, you know, if we lost the SEC championship game, big fucking deal because we'd be 12-1 and one and we'd still be going, you know, to the playoff. Right, or if we lose in, like, 2027. Yeah, after we rip off, like, five in a row. Uh, but, yeah, I-, I would love to take out the Tide in the SEC title game because there's no way we play Alabama for the national title this year. It's just not going to happen. Unless, unless they beat us in the SEC title game, we're both one-loss teams, then I think you got to run Bama-Georgia out there. I think that's the best matchup in town. Uh, you run Bama, Georgia out there. You split them up. You send one to, one to the sugar, one to the rose. Yeah. So, uh, see, what, see what shakes out before, before it all changes next year. Because I don't think Michigan and Ohio State want any anything to do with uh, uh, Georgia this year. I just really don't. I, I don't think they have the size. I don't think they have the speed. I don't think they have the physicality. They just don't. It, it, I mean, we need we need to be talking more. I mean, unless they cannibalize themselves, there's gonna be a Pac-12 team. Yeah. Unless, and literally, unless they all just take turns beating up on each other, there's gonna, there's the representation is gonna be spread out, and unless it's a bunch of one-loss teams, like the the scenario that you put out there, one-loss Alabama beating Georgia, who now gets their first loss. In the SEC championship game, that's that's a lock. That's an easy lock for those two, unless there's unless there's five 
undefeated teams in front of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is mathematically unlikely. But yeah, I it's it they they pick who gets to go in there. Yeah. Like putting Cincinnati in was stupid. TCU. <laughs> It's it's because they clamor so much about, well, look what we've done. But who did you play? Right. Who did TCU really play? Who did Cincinnati really play? Well, and and then you get to the, is it the the four best ranked teams? Is it the four teams you think have the the best chance of getting you good ratings? Like what, what best are we talking about here when we're, when we're picking the four teams? There's definitely some financials involved, I would have to say. Uh, I, I, I think FSU... Just because they've been in some dangerous games, I think they I think they slip, and and they don't make the playoff. And and I think it's it's safe that we can start talking about it a little bit because don't look now, folks. But we're we're past the halfway point of college football. It is it is ridiculous. We are at game seven already. It feels like the season just started, but here we are on the second. We're on the back. Uh, you know, we're on the back nine. Uh, so I think you can start talking about playoffs. Uh. And I don't think Florida State makes it. I think somebody sneaks up and takes one from them. And uh, I honestly, it's so weird to watch the rest of the world play football now. I I I'm, I see it all differently. That I watched coming back from the Braves game. I caught the tail end of the Georgia Tech Miami game, which what a colossal fuck up for Mario Cristobal. What yeah, that was what dumb. A, what a dumb shit. But uh, I, I'll never be in that position. So I, I may be a little being a little harsh on him. But I rolled from that game into Arizona USC. Oh, there is not a lick of defense yeah. <laughs> to be found. Bear Alexander, like what? I hope you're having fun out there, man. It's a bear cub at this. You're not fucking playing any defense. Not a, not a bit. What's our I don't know. I don't know anything, anything about Arizona football, but what I do know is that USC should have beat the hell out of. Them. Yeah. Well, don't feel bad because no one knows anything about Arizona football. But sure. Um, so I, I think Florida State could potentially lose to Duke. Uh, I think you know Miami could get right and, and maybe beat them in, in Florida. Those are three games that uh, I think uh, they have the best chance. They're minus seventeen uh, against Syracuse. So beat the dog shit out of Florida. Let's hope not, though. Let's hope not. Let's let's hope maybe Florida can play. Uh, you know, the role of spoiler or something. I I just don't like the criminals, Free Shoe University. I don't like the ACC. You just rather have Florida beat Florida State. Yeah, a hundred percent. Oh my! I don't like ACC football. I don't like those fans getting all uppity. You've heard me say it a million times. Winning the ACC is the equivalent of taking home a real nice bowling trophy. Kissing your sister. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a fan of the Atlantic Coast Conference. I do, I want to keep them out. Like Clemson's done. Let's sweep them under the rug. You know, I wish Miami. I'd like to see Miami in the SEC, baby. That'd be. Let's sw- can we swap out Vandy and Miami? Put Vandy in the ACC. Give us the Canes. If Miami came to the SEC, boy, I, they, and they, they they would, boy, they could really be able to recruit then, I think, and they might come back. But that's never going to happen. That's just fun talk. You know, when uh, when all the shuffling was going down, the talk was Florida State and Clemson coming to the SEC. No, God, no, God, please, no, please, no. Uh, they were headed to Big Ten now, is what they were talking about, which doesn't make any sense. But uh, do whatever you want. Stack the Big Ten as much as you want. Yeah. 
uh, for real, because uh, you guys need all the help you can get. But, uh, you know, uh, we, t- we did touch briefly. We'll get into it next week if we get our Hawks guy on our next episode. But, hey, basketball is here. The Hawks are playing. They did win their preseason game. We've got Harry Potter tickets in December. Can I tell you real quick? I, like, I talked with just a couple of people and how, like, kind of blah, blah I was for the Hawks season. And I'm normally, you know, good, bad, or ugly jacked for NBA basketball to start up again. And I just, you know, we didn't do a whole hell of a lot in the offseason. You know, got some got some guys in the draft that I'm I'm intrigued about, excited to see what they're going to do. And then I watch one preseason game and I am I am table flipping ready for some basketball. I am like I am amped to the max. I don't I don't know what it was. I I Apparently, I love basketball way more than I thought I did, because that's all it took was me watching them play one game, and I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, and uh, I'll wait. You know, Valerie. Uh, for those of you who don't know, as my girlfriend, uh, she is a Hawks fan, and, and she doesn't watch football. Uh, she doesn't really watch baseball. She'll go to a game, but she's not, not a Jazz fan. Doesn't follow it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but uh, she's a little she's a little upset because over the last few seasons, she had two favorite players. And one of them was John Collins, and the other one was Danilo Gallinari. She loved them both. And now they're gone, so she doesn't have a player anymore, and she's got the jerseys in the closet. And I was like, I tried to tell you. If you want to buy them, buy them, but I wouldn't because you just don't know. Yeah, and you could still wear them. I, I'm, not, I'm not that guy. Buy a jersey, put your name on the back. Yeah, unless, unless you're you know, like Bob Horner or something. But I, uh, you know, I wouldn't even buy a Trey Young jersey because you you just never know. You never know. Like I, I'll, I'll wear, I'd wear agree. a Timber Jones jersey or something like that. But never current players because it's like, oh well, I bought it and he was here for a, a season and a half and now he's gone. You, I don't. I, some people do. I see it all the time. I can't wear that jersey. I got a fucking Lorenzo Carter jersey and he's got a different number now. Yeah. <laughs> so what? But, uh, yeah, so coming up this weekend, pretty big weekend, pretty big weekend. Uh, we have a Game 5 Saturday night, and notice I said we have one because we're going to win tomorrow. We're going to will it to happen. We've got Georgia Vandy. Eh, you know, it'll be fun to watch us, uh, you know, romp all over them again. I think in the last two years we've beat them by a combined score of like 120-something to 7. I know we shut them out like 61 to nothing the year before, just absolutely punished them. So that would be nice to see uh, – you know them, them jump in early and get Vandegrift back in there. It was nice to see he looked good in the in the later uh, portions of that Kentucky game. Be good to see him get back in there and get some reps. And uh, you know then Sunday, uh, like you all know, we have uh, Washington and Atlanta, and we're going to brag again and say a thank you to Justin and Jess Davis for getting us these amazing. It's the Gullwing Suite, is what they call them, uh, for the Mercedes Gullwing. But uh, Home Depot seats, and uh, you know. Be up there with the big man himself, Mr. Arthur Blank, will be within shouting distance of us. And uh, well, Mark and I are thinking about asking him for a cool quarter mill to fund our podcast. Uh, you know, we're going to have our Believe in Atlanta Sports t-shirts on I'm as, soon very as, brief. as soon as we get them made. <laughs> but anyway, uh, like I said, you know, we had two episodes come out. This one will be out very soon. We solved our folder problem. There was a thing with the Google Drive that was all weird, but our, our good friend Chris Carducci, he fixed that for us. He'll be dropping them in there. We're going to get this one out tomorrow. Uh, but, again, guys, we really thank you for hanging in there with us. We got quite a few hits on the uh, the two episodes that have come out. But, uh, again, as always, Atlanta, wherever you're at, 
New Zealand, China, Vietnam, all these places are listening to our show. If you're out there, really, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and we are pledging ourselves to, to one day get on, get on track. We got to get on track, uh, you know, uh, and we're going to do it because again, you know, we take, we might have a couple of weeks where we can't do it, but we'll always be back. We'll always be back because we are on a mission and that mission may take us several years or, or, or five or six, who knows? But we're not stopping until we make some noise in the Atlanta sports world. Right now, it's a low rumble. Yeah, one day you're going to get sick of us. We're going to be all over the place. Yes, we've got the eye of the tiger, and you're going to hear us roar. And yes, that was a Katy Perry reference. I did it. I snuck a Katy Perry reference into a, po- a sports podcast. Yeah. Uh, that's talent right there. Yeah, she is. A, she's a good-looking gal. She's married to Orlando Bloom. Anyway, enough about Katy Perry and enough about Atlanta sports for one night. Until next week, we'll have... Oh, man, next Wednesday is going to be a banger. We'll be talking Braves postseason. We'll be talking the Falcons-Commanders game. Uh, you know, we, we'll, we'll have some more Hawks rumblings uh, if we can get our good friend from Believe in Atlanta Hawks on. But until then, Atlanta, stay dry, stay safe. Man, get your mojo going. We need you tomorrow, Atlanta. We need you, need you, need you. Or as by the time you hear this, I'll say we need you tonight. So uh, let's let's stir up some extra mojo. Let's take it and stick it to those Phillies up there let's come back down here let's take it home we love you atlanta we need you good night do you believe